Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. Maybe you were listening to Susie Larson and you stayed on. Thank you for doing that. I hope you've had a great day. And just this past weekend, we had a great opportunity to celebrate moms yesterday. So that was uh, awesome. We're going to talk about that a little bit today with my friend Patrick Albanese, who's uh, not only a colleague and a friend from the great state of Iowa, but a uh, fellow performer, comedian, and magician, and always fun to talk to him on Monday because I always say, let's get the week started on a light note. A merry heart is like good medicine. Hey, Patrick. Hey, how are you? a merry heart is like good medicine. It is. It is. And I love starting on a light note. And we just well, had... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. You know, and, and you, you just, sometimes you just got to take things casually and easy every now and then. I, I was just thinking about this uh, the other day. I would say... I have spent the better part of the last 40 years wondering if I overthink things. And I'll <laughs> let you know. <laughs> I will let you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, well, I want to yeah. say that I want to talk about moms just a little bit because it was Mother's Day yesterday. And yep. uh, we both had great moms who are in heaven right now with Jesus. And we also have moms who have birthdays this week. I think your mom's is Friday and my mom's is Saturday. And then there's also another very special mom having a big birthday tomorrow, uh, which I want to celebrate as well. But uh, Patrick, I know I want to ask this to the audience. Uh, I'd love to get input from, from listeners about a piece of advice or counsel or wisdom you got from your mother that still is in <laughs> the front of your mind, something that you think about. And it's just very much mom. So if you have that, send it over, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. What about you, Patrick, or do you want me to go first? Well, you go first, and uh, maybe it'll, it'll jog the old memory. Well, I, I know my, I have plenty, though, yeah. Yeah, I think my mom, yeah. one of the things she said to me in high school was, you know, you're, you're strong and confident, so don't let peer pressure ever get to you. I thought that was good. Wow. Yeah. And did you? Uh, no, I didn't let peer pressure get to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, in, in my, my high school, I think there was a lot of positive peer pressure. There was a bunch of um, friends of mine that we all wanted to be, you know, do good and have a great time. It, yeah. You know, it's interesting with, with, with uh, one boy and one girl um, uh, under my wing so to speak, you know, you see the difference, uh, and, and girls can be a little bit rough in the teenage years with each other. Um, on one hand, they can be very encouraging and then they can also be kind of rough with each other. And it's, I, I, but it's really interesting watching the boys work. And I remember this from my own childhood and I, I, you know, I, I guess I just assumed that this was parental teaching, but maybe it's just natural. Um, my, like my, my, my son had one friend that didn't know how to ride a bike. So they taught him how to ride a bike. Now, other 
kids sometimes would just make fun of a kid that's like, you're 12 years old and you can't ride a bike. What's wrong with you? And these guys were like, well, we'll teach you how to ride a bike so we can go ride bikes together. And uh, my mom was, you know, I, I go, maybe, maybe he got that from me because I got that attitude from my mom. Hmm. My mom was a very big, you know, look it up type person. You know, so was my dad. What is, my dad what is look it up being? Look it up was, you know, I'm, those encyclopedias aren't there just to hold up the bookshelf, <laughs> although they did. So give me an uh, example. It, so, uh, you know, mom could say, uh, like, I could go, hey, mom, you know, I'm history. I was not great at history. Uh, when was the Magna Carta signed? Uh, June and, 15th, uh, June 15th, 1215. Wait, did you know that? No, my mom told me. Oh, God, well... <laughs> Just when you asked, she didn't say, go look it up in the, in the <laughs> no, encyclopedia? <laughs> no, she just told me, and I remembered. Yeah, well, I'm. that's still, okay, your mom did do that. Mine said, look it up. Okay. Well, my mom's going to have things up. I bet you can't even find an encyclopedia these days. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, there was something that was really big about self-reliance. And I know part of it had to be, hey, with eight kids, I can't do everything. You know, so if I if I approached my mom and said, well, you know, there's a hole in my sock, you know, the old joke, there's a hole in my sock, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And uh, she would say, well, fix it. And I said, well, you know, I don't know how to sew. She said, well, I'll teach you how to sew. And then then you're on your own. I mean, and, and basically don't come back to me wow. you know, with this problem. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I got this pittance of an allowance, uh, you know, when I was like 25 cents a week or 50 cents a week and with a, with a stack of chores, <laughs> like a choke a horse, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> you know it's just go 50 cents for all of this work. And in the meantime, you know, I get one of my chores is cutting the grass and then it gives when grandma and grandpa say, well, we'll pay you $2 to cut our grass. And I thought this is pretty cool. And then a neighbor says, I'll give you $4 to cut our grass. So I go home and I'm like, I am getting $4 to cut the neighbor's grass. And my mom said, that's great. Your allowance is cut off. <laughs> oh, you didn't see that coming, did you? I didn't see that coming. Yeah. She's like, she goes, you don't need my money anymore. Oh, funny. <laughs> You're making your own money. I said, well, what if I lose the gig, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and she and- says, there's no going back. Oh boy! <laughs> but she said, "Well, you're okay. Great. You're learning to be industrious. Let's keep it going. I wow. want to encourage you in that by cutting off your supply chain." <laughs> I love that. And you yeah. know, our the, our parents' generation were they were real big. My mom said, "Say you're sorry." When there yes. was a, a conflict or something, she would always say, "Well, say you're sorry," and just letting us know that you want to you want to bring peace as fast as you can to a situation. You know, she'd well, do her best to listen yeah. out to both sides of the conflict, but then it would, okay, say you're sorry, and we'd both do it. So that means that you are familiar with the phrase, which I think has been retired, or maybe, maybe some parents will be bringing it back. Here, here it goes. You ready for this phrase? Yep. I don't care who started it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finish? You know that phrase, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't care who started it. You're both going to stop it. Yeah. Uh, or in my case, the three of you are going to stop it. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was always kind of a pile on at the house. Yeah. We came from a please and thank you generation as well. And I, I assume that continues, but 
I think our, that was drilled into to me as a young kid was say, say please and say thank you. And Would, now, I, did, yeah, was your family encouraged uh, via the parents to ignore your dinner table request if it wasn't asked for properly? Oh, sure. The butter? And yeah. It was as, as if you said nothing. <laughs> Could I have the butter? It's right. as if you said nothing. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, if you were insistent, your mother would look at you and say, pass the butter, please. <laughs> yeah. You say, pass the butter, please. And then mm-hmm. you get it. And then she would just stare at you. It's like, you're not done. <laughs> yeah. You're not finished here. One Thank of the you. Thing, one of the things I loved about your mom was when you were a kid and you had this fascination with doing magic and you would always try to talk her into have her buying you a magic trick. And this is when she'd say, yeah. why don't you just go make it? Yeah. So, you know, it, of course, when you're first starting out as a magician, you go, I just need like a thimble. Do I have any thimbles around? And of course, my mom sewed. So it's like, well, here's a thimble. You could do magic tricks with a thimble. Things you can find lying, you know, just do magic with things you find lying around the house. So I found her credit card. Now, <laughs> 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 that was not really the way to go. I should have seen that one coming. You should have seen that one coming. Yeah. No, but uh, so once you start, you start progressing. You say, "Well, I want to do these bigger tricks." Um, you know, at one point, I wanted some birds, and she actually let me get a couple of birds, keep them in the basement. And it turns out that doves are incredibly noisy. If people did not know that, and they will keep the whole house up. <laughs> and so soon, your brothers and sisters are like those birds. Those birds. Uh, you got to do something about those birds. I, I finally got rid of the birds. I actually thought that I accidentally had killed them. I'd forgotten about them. I said, I don't think I've fed those birds. I don't think I've fed those birds in like a month. I don't think I've been down to the basement in a month where I've stuck the birds in a corner. And I wake up in the middle of the night. I race down to see the birds that my mother let me have. And they're gone. And I had given them to a friend like a month earlier. <laughs> completely forgotten that I'd given them away. Oh, funny. Because I, I couldn't handle taking care of them. But I go back to my mother and I say, hey, I found this farm up in Wisconsin where we could buy a cougar, a cougar cub for about $300. And this would make a great addition to my magic act. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a pretty swift no on that one. I'm sure it was. Yeah. When I wanted the bigger tricks, she says, well, just make them yourself. We don't don't have the money for that kind of stuff. You know, when I buy you a trick that costs $5, that's one thing. These things cost $2,000. Yeah. So she would let me, like we had a big toy cabinet. As we all grew up, the toys were given away or thrown away at garage sales. Now we had this big empty cabinet. She says, make a magic trick out of that. So I would make a cutting a girl in three out of um, the wood that my dad had built this toy cabinet out of. The Mm -hmm. worst wood you could possibly buy. I didn't know that it would not make a very good or safe magic trick for my (laughs) sister, who was my assistant. (laughs) But I learned so much doing it. Yeah. And then to mention that your friend Craig and you went on to be illusion builders and built some of the great illusions uh, for some of the busiest magicians in the world. Yeah, he's still doing it. He builds I know he's for, still doing it. I mean, yeah, you look at the people he builds for you. And it all, st- you know, when I first met him as we were just kids in high school, uh, you know, he had seen some things I had and he said, well, you just built that yourself? Okay, well, how did you do that? I said, I, don't, I just kind of figured it out. Uh, you know, I like, it's funny, this one trick I had built, I thought I was so clever. I said, I'm using algebra, mom. She was so proud of me. 
I found a picture of a famous magician, Mark Wilson, uh, in a photograph of this magic trick. And I said, well, I'm going to build this magic trick and I'm going to use algebra to do it. And I measured the trick with my ruler. You know, it's X number of inches tall on the photograph. And I go, okay, here's Mark Wilson. He's, you know, six feet tall. So I scaled it and I made proportions and ratios and I figured out all the dimensions. And then I built the trick and it, and it was rather large. It actually didn't quite meet up to the standards of what the trick was supposed to look like. And then I met Mark Wilson a number of years later, and he was five foot seven. So I said, I think I, think I know where my math went wrong. <laughs> All right, so well, I went back and I, actually, I adjusted my, uh, my math, and I said, I was accurate as could be had he been six feet tall. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right, we got some great wisdom coming in. If you've got some great counsel wisdom from mom over the ages and you still remember it, send it over, 877-933-2484. Before we go to break, Laura said, uh, um, say your prayers. That was advice from mom. Oh, All right, we'll take a little great. break. Be right back. Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. Happy Monday! I, you know, I love Mondays, and Patrick helps me get things started on a lighter note, because I love a merry heart. And Patrick, we got some great counsel coming in from listeners regarding mom's advice. Amy said, okay. it's not what you said, it's how you said it. I learned oh, that oh. tone matters. Mm-hmm. Boy, is that spot on. Yeah, yeah, that was long before we could type up in all capitals, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yelling yelling via text message. <laughs> yeah, tone matters. All right, another one. When things were unfair or we would, or we would question or complain, she would say, it is okay because the Lord knows. And my sister and I now quote her all the time. Ooh. So uh, here's something my mom... Uh, Fortunately, I don't think she had to say this to me too many times. You're too smart to do something this stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you're being complimented, right? And and I, my mother was 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 so wonderful with with you know she was firm, so incredibly loving, uh, and but but I mean and, you know always wanting you to uh, be able to be on your own. Always wanting you to have life lessons that would allow you to survive on your own. Uh, you know, there was, it, I, I think if she could have had us in our own apartment when we were 12, and she says, well, if you're, if you're learning how to pay the bills and you're learning how to do your own laundry, mm -hmm. I'm good with that. You know? <laughs> uh, you know, if you were to say to her, gosh, I, 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 you know, I, my sister was dating a guy once whose mother would come to their college, his college dorm to do his laundry for him because he didn't know how to do laundry. So she would drive the 150 miles <laughs> to go do the kid's laundry. And that would make my mom apoplectic, I guess would be the word. She says, I taught you, I'm glad because I taught you kids better than that, didn't I? I taught you better than that. <laughs> you guys can do your own laundry. You can cook. You can do things. You can take care of yourselves. I wouldn't come out and do your laundry. 
You know, in fact, if I come to see you, you better be cooking for me. I've made enough <laughs> meals for you. Right. Yeah, because when <laughs> you just great. When you do your first load of laundry, it comes out okay, sort of. And then the second yeah. load you do is you've got your set of grays and your set of pinks. You got your set of grays and your pinks. Yeah. And really the difficulty is figuring out which one was which first. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And your your mom also said, God gave you two hands, get busy. Get busy, yeah. You know, it's. Uh, I, I have a saying: the secret to winning is beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, my mom. That, that's sort of a paraphrase of how my mom would say things. Well, let's get started. You know, you just you got to get started. Just jump in, in the middle, jump in somewhere, get started. And I mean, she must have had me pegged because I can I can do the paralysis by analysis with just yeah. about any task. Uh, and say, well, I don't know which thing I should start first. And, but there is always a, a place where you could just jump in, and it might not be the perfect place, but it is a place. Yeah. And she she at least knew this about me, that once I started, then then the unstoppable guy would show up. I was just, you know, hard to overcome that initial inertia. So yeah. she was always pretty quick with the, well, just let's go, let's jump in. You got, you got two hands, go, 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 get busy. Yeah. All right, here's another comment. Anne's mom said this, and you can probably fill in the rest of this sentence if I get it started, Patrick. If you can't say anything nice. Sit right here next to me. I'd like to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, that's not the phrase. That's not how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Yes. Wow, is that solid wisdom. Yeah. Here's, here's another one. Two wrongs don't make a right. You know, we uh, that has always been true. We tried yesterday. Uh, my 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 wife. Uh, there are a couple of things that she doesn't like in life. She she doesn't like coffee mugs as gifts. She just thinks they're terrible gifts. I don't know why. She she doesn't like mugs, and for some reason she doesn't like Nicolas Cage. She does not like Nicolas Cage. Uh, <laughs> she's, she, has, she goes, I don't like Nick Nolte and I don't like Nicolas Cage. And if you ask her why, she says, they look like they smell. And that's the, <laughs> that's the end of it. Right? Mm-hmm. So my kids are perusing things uh, one day. We're looking for Mother's Day gift ideas. And they say, well, look at this. It's a coffee mug with Nicolas Cage on it. <laughs> we have to buy her this. Mm-hmm. And we thought that she would get the joke. And that was about a good hour of silence yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so you give her the gift, and that was that produced the silence. That's it produced the silence, and then I I see the mug later, and it is now holding Q-tips. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I go. Well, <laughs> it's being used. She 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 goes. I don't get it. Yeah. Because I I don't like I don't like either of these things. It's like yeah, that's the two wrongs make a right, huh? Huh? Mm-hmm. Right. No, yep. Two negatives make a positive? Nope, they don't. Two wrongs nope. don't make a right. There's another one, Patrick. She always made sure uh, we said please and thank you. Yep. Yep. It was always please and thank you. And now, I hope this still exists. We do this with our kids, although they don't need the kind of encouragement that, that I'm not saying I needed it as a kid. My grandparents lived two blocks away. My mom's mom and dad, they moved real close to us. And it was like, go over there. Because I had a grandma and grandpa. They always wanted to make sure we had grandma and grandpa time. They always wanted to make sure we had family time. It's like, oh, we're doing cousin time. We're doing cousin time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, well, I don't know. Some of these cousins are okay. I don't know. Uh, some of the other ones, I'm not sure about them yet. You know, let me think about it. <laughs> but 
they always wanted you to have family time. And they planted this seed that you realized as you got older, this is all I have are my friends and my family. Despite where, where life takes me, despite the successes or failures you have, despite how nice of a home you live in, despite how much money you have, despite what you do, the things that are important are the things that are your friends and your family, these relationships. And my parents, I, as busy as they were, it was like, there will be family time. You know, we had to eat dinner together. We had a dinner bell. And, you know, once we got one, a bunch of the neighbors got one. So then my mom had to ring the dinner bell and call out the eight names, Michael, Terry, Bobby, Mary, Carol, Patrick, Rosemary, Diane. And we'd all come running in because we knew it was dinner time. So my dad had gotten home. We must eat together. We must eat together. Then they had another rule, no talking at the table, which I thought was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but we sat together. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. No talking at the table. <laughs> Is that true? Or is that They didn't like joke? us talking. Oh, Certainly no hilarious. humming. No elbows on the table. No yeah. humming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was abs- for some reason, <laughs> we needed to have a rule about no humming. And yeah. uh, very, very little talking. Eat I your food. Par- I, I remember part of that being in grade school. We were uh, allowed when the the lunch bell rang to talk for like, I don't know, six minutes. And then they rang a second bell, which was a louder, different sound. And then there was no more talking. Oh. So I think that was a, a tradition, maybe back in Catholic school, where, okay, you can chat with your friends, but then after a little bit of talking, finish your food and get out to recess. Yeah, I, well, I went to the Catholic school, and I do recall that. I also know, and I'm sure this was your experience, that at our particular dinner table, if you were talking, you weren't eating. And if you weren't eating, somebody else was, and they were going to get the food that you wanted. <laughs> yeah, it was a serious, serious game. It was, it was a sport. Yeah, you know, it was a lot like the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to be left out on this one. Yeah, yeah. that's very funny. Well, that's... mothers are irreplaceable. They're amazing, and I know you loved your mom, and I love mine. And yeah. Mother's Day rolls around, and I had nothing but warm thoughts about. My dear mom, and I'm sure you had the same. Me too. And by the way, I want to leave listeners with a fun thing to do. I've been changing the names of my friends and family in my cell phone to celebrity names. Then when the phone is on the table, let's say I'm at Starbucks with somebody, and they say, "Um, it looks like Tom Cruise is calling you. (laughs) You going to answer that? And I'm like, yeah, he can go to voicemail. Yeah. So it's kind of fun, and uh, you you find a nice celebrity name for your friends. I have given you Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, nice. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, thank you, Patrick, for getting my Monday started and letting us all have a smile. And I look forward to doing this again next week, same time. Me too. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Patrick Albanese has been my friend and confidant who helps me get the week started on a lighter note. A merry heart is like good medicine. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to have the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. That's all next.
All right, time for the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. How's everyone doing today? Doing well. How doing? are you good. doing, Bill? Good. We're doing good. Good. So, David, I know that um, you have had a, a, a kind of a spiritual birthday recently. I have, you know. So, uh, so last along with like you know, a Happy Mother's Day to all those out there, and then also like how my mom was a, a church mother and how the Bible speaks about Paul being a father to Timothy. And so, um, you know, recently on May 8th, I had my 36th spiritual birthday. Um, wow. So that was just, you know, phenomenal to, you know, recall um, just the ways that God has been faithful and gracious. And um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it's just something that years and years ago when I was a sophomore in high school, after numerous different things happening in my sophomore year of high school and having a season-ending injury that required surgery and reacting bad anesthesia and just a, a difficult time, I had attempted to take, to take my own life, and uh, I failed at that. And, you know, um, you know, it's, it's kind of in line with the recent CDC report that was released um, a month or so ago um, that looked at teen health, um, where three out of five um, teenage girls report persistent sadness mm. and hopelessness, mm. that 22% of teens have seriously considered committing suicide last year, 18% made a plan and 3% that went ahead and, and did so required like myself, medical attention afterwards. Mm. And so, you know, the CDC is actually issuing kind of just a great alarm um, because even in the last, you know, decade, just a 60% increase. And so it's, it's become a concerning thing in the things that our teens are going through and so, you know, fortunately for myself, you know, my last name started with an M and um, my locker mate, Lance Porter's last name started with a P. And Lance invited me to Student Venture, which was the high school arm of Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, and, you know, it was through that that God really crystallized having a personal, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, May 8th, 1987, 10.45 p.m. at Topper's Restaurant, North 42nd Street, by the University of North Dakota, between the bathrooms and the emergency room doors, someone, you know, sat down and shared and walked through the gospel in just a unique way. And God, you know, really just radically transformed my life. And I remember just journaling about it and saying, though they're not here anymore, it literally was like someone took the Twin Towers off of my shoulders. Mm. You know, and I want to say this point because, like, you know, God probably knew how much help I needed that he actually gave me a date and time. But that's not necessary. You know, um, I think of the, the late C.S. Lewis, you know, who got in a buggy ride and he, he said, I left as a as a non-believer. I came back as a believer. I, I think of one of my classmates at North Dakota State University, a guy named Jeff. And he's like, you know, I went into Christmas break completely against God, not interested at all. And he said, David, I don't know what happened. He came back from Christmas break and he said, somewhere in the period of time, 
you know, over that Christmas break, I became a follower of Christ and a lover of him. And, uh, you know, so, so if, if a person's sitting there saying like, oh, I don't have a date, that, that, that's okay. God knew like I needed some extra help on that. So don't feel <laughs> bad if you, if you don't have some sort of date that you look back to. What about you, Rosie? Do you have a date? I have a month. Okay. I didn't, when I was saved, I had no idea that people followed dates. Yeah. And so I suppose if I went back to the year 2000, it was a Friday or a Saturday in the month of October. Okay. All right. How about you, Bill? September 25th. September 25th. 7.25 p.m. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I remember the time. It was 1 o'clock in the morning, but I, yeah. Bill, you've been um, saved for a long time. I have been, yeah. David, what's so troubling in Rosie is this CDC report on the fragile mental health of these uh, particularly young teenage girls that three and f- three out of five report feeling persistently sad or hopeless. Oh my, the gospel mm-hmm. can change all of that. Well, you know, it's so interesting because yes, Bill, it can. The gospel is our lifeline. It's our hope. It's Jesus himself you know, laced inside the words of every page. And yet it also explains that Jesus too knows what it's like to feel sad. Um, Matthew 26, 38 says, you know, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's with his apostles. And he says to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And I think of the sadness in our world today and the isolation that happens because of social media and everything we think is going on that we're not invited to, Mm -hmm. to what's actually probably going on is a whole lot of isolation in a whole lot of places. But this part of the scripture, remain here and keep watch with me. How much the body needs each other, how much we need to stay in community and in connection um, to help, you know, bear that with each other. Not that you can take away someone's sadness, but you certainly, I think, can go into a space and understand it with them and sit with them in it. And that is love. And I think that's mm. where the enemy takes, we don't feel love. We don't think feel like there's, you know, any possibility for us when we're, you know, at that low point. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things, um, <clears throat> like for me, through, you know, a number of different things. I had grown up in a family that had had alcoholism in it, you know, developed Mm -hmm. a chronic seizure disorder in fourth grade. Uh, They considered doing what was called like a a hemispherosectomy or something because my seizures were so bad at that time and uh, that they were going to like split some things to try to keep that section, you know. And like when I left, my brother was in middle school, he, he left you know, I was in a school of a thousand kids. I was the only African American, and wow. uh, though my my first name started with a D and ended with a D, some thought it started with an N and ended with an R. Mm. And had a teacher one time look at one of our fellow students and say, "You know what? That person, you're going to become an attorney one day." And I think that person did. And then the person turned and looked at me and said, "You know, Mr. Miles, you're not going to amount to anything. Mm. At best, you'll become a garbage collector." You know. Wow. And so, you know. Um, and are all teachers that way? No, absolutely not. There are some just really incredible teachers. And, you know, I want to say, I want to praise God for, for Lance. I mean, like Lance being, you know, in a public school, you know, is why I'm here. Now, and I say that as a person who's been a chaplain 
of a Christian prep school, that I've spoken at um, Christian high schools, Christian colleges. I'm an adjunct at a Christian college and uh, have worked with graduate students. And so so that dynamic of being um, salt and light in the various places that you are. And, you know, one of the things I enjoyed when I was pastoring in Ohio um, is that our church was really actually fairly, you know, a, a neat combination where we had people who homeschooled, we had people who had did Christian school, and we had people who had kids in public school. Um, but I have to be real with you, you know, Lance not in public school, you know, Lord knows uh, what that would have been, you know, for me personally. Mm. Amazing story, David. I am so glad for Lance that he took a risk and said, hey, David, you want to come to a meeting with me? Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, like, we sometimes think, like, we really sometimes think, like, it's this major, like, thing. Here, Here's what happened. I'm at my locker, and I'm going to look at a clock. I'm at my locker. Lance w- turns and walks away, and he turns back, and he says, hey, Dave, what are you doing this Thursday? And I'm like, nothing. He goes, you want to come with me to Student Venture? The student event? I said, sure. Okay, that's eight seconds. Mm-hmm. Eight wow. seconds, guys. I mean, like, seriously, eight seconds. And, like, just a casual, you know, thing. And I remember one of the things we had found out from Outreach Magazine, I think it was, like, some incredible number, like 86% of people would go to church if invited by friends, family, and coworkers. And yet it was, like, 11% of people invited their friends, family, and coworkers to go to church. Mm. And I mean, that was the thing, like Lance invited me. So can, so what I love about your story is there's a little nuance. He walked away and then he turned around and came back. Yeah. Well, he walked away and he just turned around. And he just turned around. And he said, hey, Dave. And I turned around and looked at him and he's like, hey, what are you doing Thursday? Well, I love that nuance because that's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. We always go, well, how does it sound? What's it look like? Right. It can be just this, huh, want to come with me? I mean, just this slight inspiration that God just placed upon your heart to extend yourself. I mean, it, so many times I think we feel like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have my track. I have my Bible verses, <laughs> right? And maybe that, and maybe it does work that way, but often maybe it works like just responding to what God's put on your heart. And then there's the power of the invite. We've talked about this before. Yeah. How, mm-hmm. how critical that is. Have you invited somebody to something? Have you asked somebody if they'd like to attend? You don't know what kind of life could be changed as a result of that simple ask. Yeah. And so, like, you look at Scripture, and, uh, you know, in John chapter 1, you know, uh, you have the disciples meeting Jesus, and they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he says, come and you will see. So they went with them. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So stop and think about this for a minute. We know about Peter. Right. But Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And we don't know that much about Andrew. Right. Very little. You know, we, we know very little about that, which, you know, actually one of my favorite stories that I love in scripture is actually concerning Joseph. Mm. 
you know, in Genesis chapter 37. Now, most people, when they think of Genesis chapter 37 and Joseph, they think technicolor coat, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there were there were dad issues because dad actually favored him above everyone else and made him the other guys hate him. But it's actually later on when, you know, um, his father tells him, go find your brothers in Shechem. And so he heads to Shechem. They're not there. And I love what it says uh, in verse 15. And a man found him, Joseph, wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? He says, Joseph says, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they're pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away to Dotham, for I heard them say, let us go to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brother, found him in Dotham, finds him in Dotham. They sell him into slavery. He goes to Potiphar's house. He gets accused for being, you know, this Hebrew guy that, you know, Potiphar's wife's trying to get with, ends up in jail. The baker forgets about him or the cupbearer forgets about him. Then a vision, he rises to the kingdom. He delivers family from famine. Moses comes Deuteronomy 18.15 says, Moses says, there will come a greater prophet, and that greater prophet is Jesus. And all of this is part of this unique chain because of an unknown man, Rosie, exactly what Mm -hmm. you're saying, an unknown man in a field who saw Joseph who was seeking. And like we can be the unknown man and woman um, that sees people seeking Mm -hmm. and even just saying, like, what are you seeking? Hey, sometimes the way that God just uses us. Now, one of my favorite things about my testimony, and I speak to, to high school and college students, you know, and, uh, and I speak on this subject, and it's been super helpful um, because there's this vulnerability and there's this authenticity because students sometimes won't be listening, you guys. Um, and all of a sudden, I shared this story about my failed suicide attempt, and all of a sudden, it's like a pin drops in the room, and I'm like, yeah, don't let the suit coat, don't let all the accolades fill you. This is part of my story. And I, and I spoke last week at a, at a great place, you know, Concordia Academy in Roseville, and I had kids coming up in tears, and they're just like, you know, thank you, I needed to hear the story. I'm struggling with this right now. Mm. Like, I'm feeling this, and like... Wondering, like, who can I talk to? And when I start my thing and I introduce myself, I'll say, hey, I want to shout out to the sophomore. Where are my sophomores at? And then when I go through my story, I come back after telling them about Lance and saying, hey, guys, this is one reason why I love sophomores so much. It wasn't an adult. It was another 15-year-old who invited me and, and asking these guys and asking our listeners be a porter, okay? Lance, last name is he, he. He his last name was Porter. Interestingly enough, only God could do this. When you look up the definition of a porter, there's someone who carries someone else's stuff, luggage, bags to a point to send them down their destination. Wow! Hmm. Oh, only God can do that. Only God yeah. can do that. Uh, That's a God thing. Yeah. That's a God thing. It's a God instance. Yeah. So, yeah. So we are able, Bill, to. We can be those things. We can be the unknown man and woman, no matter our ages. I agree. Let me take a short break. We'll be right back with the Monday afternoon mix. David Miles and Rosie B. We're talking about the power of the invite, being the unknown man or woman, and making a difference in someone's life just by a simple invitation. And David's got his amazing testimony and story of a failed suicide when he was a young man. 
in what God has done in his life, celebrating his 36th spiritual birthday on May 8th. When we come back, I think there's some other interesting things that your wife Tammy heard. I don't know. Have you got permission to share that, David? Oh, I think maybe. Well, you got 90 seconds on the break. We'll find out when we come back. We'll be right back. Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio Prayer Devotional email. Sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. The mix is back, Pastor David Miles, Rosie B. We're uh, talking about a recent CDC mental health report on teens, and that was alarming. I know we've got a little bit more to talk about that. Uh, David, you were mentioning some stats during the break. Yeah, I mean, like one of the things that was really um, a concerning thing, uh, you know, in this report, and you you can find it at the CDC, um, they had no, and this is for 2021. And so when they looked at experiencing poor mental health past, during the past 30 days, they had 41% of females, 18% of males, but basically 29% of teens, almost like one in three of our teens, you know, are, are just, they're really struggling. And, uh, you know, here's something that's, something that's really interesting Sometimes we think that it's our our made up selves that people want to see. Mm-hmm. And guys, you know the greatest traction that I, that I found is actually out of my brokenness mm-hmm. and letting Jesus, you know, heal. You know, I've said um, I have a saying that adversity is the fertilizer in God's future harvest in your life. And, and and having to remind myself, too, I mean, even this year with some just, you know, things that have happened and just saying to myself, you know, David, your adversity is the fertilizer and God's future harvest in your life. And if we think through, you know, I remember one of my mentors saying, David, if you want to talk to me about my successes, that's going to be a short conversation. But if you want to talk about my failures, you know, let's grab a pot of coffee and I think that's what what kids really are looking, especially in this very, you know, high gloss, right angles, you know, perfect lighting type of world. That when we when we discuss, you know, our brokenness, you know, when we're when we're real about that, like we we don't have to like wallow in it. Um, but one of the things that I do when I speak, and if anyone's interested, like I'm happy to come speak, you can shoot me an email at info at David Miles with a Y dot org. And, and, you know, happy to respond to that. But when, when I share things like my, my track successes, my, my college successes, my, you know, all these various things, and even the funny thing of telling kids, you know what, the kid who was supposed to be nothing even had a city name a day for them. And to remind them not to impress you, but to impress upon you what Jesus can do in the life of a person, that he can take our greatest pains, hurts, and disappointments and have it become our greatest ministry and impact. 
And here's the thing. When I say that your adversity is the fertilizer to God's future harvest in your life, what's the purpose of a harvest? But to feed others. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, I I had, um, you know, lunch with a man who came to faith in Christ. And his story, he, he actually never thought about sharing it. And, you know, I'm like, dude, your story is, like, amazing. Um, because, like, people getting to see what Christ has done in us. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite verses, Genesis fifty twenty, because I love how you speak to, you had a mentor who said, let's, Talk about my failures. Mm-hmm. I laugh with those with God. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, you are keeping me humble. But it was in Genesis 50, 20, when I was sat there once, and it and this is I think this is the NIV. As for you, you meant evil against me. This is evil against evil. But God meant it for good to bring it out about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And I just I sit with that because often our hardships, God will make good out of them. But, it, you know, yes, he'll bring fruit into our own life and we'll stand on firmer ground and we'll know him better and he'll have built trust in our relationship with him. But actually, the end of it is for the betterment of other lives. Yeah. Right? And so we, it, it, but we live in a world where it's I, I, I all the time. And sometimes he's letting you go through a season for others, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we used to like note sometimes even for like you know, pastors that some of the stuff that your congregation's going to go through, like you're going to go through that. And uh, Tammy used to tell me like after things, it'd be like some sort of week and she'd be like, by the way, what are you preaching on this week? And then I told her, she's like, well, this makes sense on how this week was like this, you know, because sometimes we're called to incarnate um you know, the reality of this, you know, we shared last year when my brother passed and how much I love my brother and just some of the difficulties in that relationship, you know, and even him saying like his dying wish, me not being at his, at his funeral. And I remember just saying, you know what, I've been blessed with that because I'll have a conversation one day with someone who's going to say, you know, David, you don't understand, like, you don't understand the pain of this. And like, I'm never forgiving. And, and to be able to say like, you know, actually, I do. Not exactly your story, but, you know, the blessing of our scars. Because here's the thing, in heaven, Jesus keeps his scars as a testimony, as, as a reminder of what he did and what he overcame. Like he, I, guys, it's, it's in the text. I mean, like, what do you do like with that? And there, there's, a, there's a reason why, and I think we will just stand Amazed. I think when we actually see Jesus and we actually see heaven and we actually see only a small piece and then understand that he, the, the word kenosis in Philippians 2, that he emptied himself, that he didn't mm. consider robbery to be equal with God and then incarnated and came into a world that he created that then rejected him that he allowed two beams of wood to actually exist, and then those two beams of wood would be the cross that he would die on. Like, I think my my brain right now, like, I, I my mind just, just, like, opened up, and I'm between, like, amazement as we're talking about this and wanting to just cry because it's like, wow, like, wow. 
<laughs> and we'll look at those scars and be like, what? Mm. Like, you did that for us? And for the glory of the Father and his great, I mean, like, what? It's overwhelming. Beautiful. So please, on behalf of mothers and fathers and family, listen to the prompting of the Spirit and let God use you just like in simple ways, just in simple, simple ways. You're only hearing my voice because like Rosie noted, someone listened to the Spirit of God and turned around and gave a simple invite power of the invite. I can't stress that enough. That is uh, such a great story, David. And thank you so much for not only sharing it again and letting us know about um, Lance Porter and his, uh, his chance that he took on you, which was all amazing. So thank yeah. you. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, Rosie, thank you as well. Mm-hmm. That's a great Monday afternoon mix. I appreciate you both. We're going to Take a short break and then head into hour two of this Monday show. And we're going to speak to Dr. Andy Scudinga. And because we do so much talking about evangelism and apologetics, uh, it occurred to me that we should talk too about emotional intelligence. Because if you have a high degree of emotional intelligence, you'll be able to identify and describe what people are feeling. And that's all part of good evangelism. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.